the most, perhaps the most egregious violation of freedom of religion or belief is jailing people for exercising their faith. Hello and welcome to the USERF Spotlight podcast, a weekly podcast series by the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom, where we take a deep dive into religious freedom conditions around the world, breaking the situation down for you. Each week, we focus on a different country, region, or topic. Not only do we analyze and explain the religious freedom situation to our listeners, but we also make policy recommendations to the United States government in order to address the immense challenges we bring to light here. Now here is the host of our show, USERF Director of Outreach and Policy, Dwight Bashir, to lead today's discussion. Welcome to USERF Spotlight. Today we'll be discussing the latest on religious freedom conditions in Turkmenistan, a Sunni Muslim majority country whose government strictly regulates and controls all aspects of the population's religious expression and practice. USERF has recommended the State Department designate Turkmenistan a country of particular concern, or CPC as it's known, every year since 2000. And the State Department has done so uh, since 2014. Turkmenistan's president stepped down in March of this year and was replaced by his son, Serdar Berdi Mohamedov, in a stage-managed election that represented a familial transfer of power, uh, something that we uh, see quite often in that region. Observers hoped that the new president might reform or loosen some of the restrictions his father had placed on the country, but instead he seems only to have tightened them over the last several months. Government control of religion is highly restrictive with the state appointing Muslim clerics, surveilling and dictating religious practice and punishing nonconformity through a range of things from imprisonment, torture uh, and administrative harassment. Over the past year, uh, we've received information that there's been official harassment of religious individuals, including local police detaining groups of bearded men and forcing them to shave and drink alcohol to prove they are not, quote, extremists. Uh, in an unexpected positive development, which we like to cite uh, whenever we can, on May 9th uh, in 2021, President, the president then pardoned all 16 Jehovah's Witnesses in prison for their conscientious objection. Mass presidential amnesties are regularly uh, state ritual in Turkmenistan, but rarely include religious prisoners. However, it's notable that the pardons did not include any Muslim religious prisoners, despite occurring during the month of Ramadan. And while the government has not detained or imprisoned any Jehovah's Witnesses since then, conscientious objection does indeed remain illegal. We're fortunate to be joined today by Form 18 News Service Editor Felix Corley, who monitors and reports on violations of freedom of religion or belief in Central Asia, Russia, the South Caucasus, and Belarus. Felix, welcome to USERF Spotlight. Thank you for inviting me to join you. Now, to start with, could you walk us through what you see as the major religious freedom violations committed by the government of Turkmenistan today? And what are the longstanding issues that continue to prompt the State Department, in your mind, to designate Turkmenistan a CPC for its egregious violations? 
In Turkmenistan, there's clearly a general de denial of human rights for all, to all the citizens. And that's not just the freedom of assembly, freedom of expression, freedom of movement. Uh, that's affecting all residents of Turkmenistan, but also people exercising freedom of religion or belief. So it's part of the general package. And it also affects trade unions, the media, uh, every sort of activity, business and so on, all under government control. Now, the most, perhaps the most egregious violation of freedom of religion or belief is jailing people for exercising their faith. We look at some of the prisoners and we don't have a lot of information about lots of them. Um, There's someone called Bahram Saparov, a Muslim from Turkmenabad in eastern Turkmenistan. He received a very long sentence back in, he was arrested in 2012 and uh, jailed in 2013, very long sentence. And about 60 of his followers he was uh, teaching Islam, discussing Islam with these people in, in small groups. And of those 60 or so people, uh, three of them at least have died in prison, um, two of them in 2016, one of them in 2017. And the government even admitted to the UN that, that two of them had died um, while claiming that they'd been suffering from various illnesses and so on. But it was clearly linked to their jailing and possible torture while in prison. Another group of Muslims who were jailed, there was a group of five readers of the, uh, the Turkish Muslim theologian Said Nursi. They were jailed in, in 2017. Um, um, four of them were in the same feared prison that Bahram Saparov is believed to be held, Ovadendepe, the most high security prison in Turkmenistan and um, a lot of people who go in there they're never heard of again so but luckily for them that these uh, four of the five Nursi readers were then transferred to another camp in Bayram Ali uh, fairly recently so we know at least that they are still alive um, as you mentioned in your introduction, 16 Jehovah's Witness conscience objectors were freed under amnesty. And that is very, very, very rare for uh, prisoners of conscience jailed for exercising freedom of religion or belief ever to come in into the amnesty. Uh, so that's really the most severe violation. There are raids by the police and secret police on meetings for worship, which do not have state approval. It's almost impossible to build a new place of worship if the government decides that a new mosque is needed. The government will arrange for it to be built. Um, religious literature is subject to complete government censorship. It's almost impossible to publish it within the country. Importing it into the country is all but impossible. Any copy has to be approved by the government and be stamped by the government commission. Um, traveling for religious purposes, whether it's on the Hajj, whether it's on uh, any other pilgrimage. I mean, at the moment, because the government has more or less blockaded the country, most citizens cannot either leave or arrive anyway. But even before the COVID restrictions, they were suffering very great difficulties if you wanted to go on a religious pilgrimage somewhere. The government imposes its leadership on the uh, Islamic community, all the imams down to local district level are believed to be named by the government. Uh, the Russian Orthodox Church, uh, the second largest religious community, they are um, finding it difficult to um, uh, bring in any clergy they want. They're not allowed their own local-based diocese, local-based bishop. Uh, the secretary of the diocese was kicked out several years ago. He was a Russian citizen. 
Um, they can have occasional visits from the bishop who is based in, a, in Russia itself. Um, and other religious communities, they're very, very restricted as to who can lead them. Denial of legal status, the government requires that uh, communities have legal status before they can even meet for worship. And the government does not generally give registration to religious communities. There are only about 130 that have um, registration in the whole country, most of them being mosques, and only government-approved mosques which follow government-backed Islam are allowed to register. Almost all of them are Sunni mosques. There's five registered Shia mosques, but the government is not keen on Shia Islam and tries to isolate the Shia communities as much as it can. Um, many communities, especially Protestant communities, Jehovah's Witnesses and others have been denied registration for many years. Um, there's even official racism in the sense that imams, prominent imams, have to be ethnic Turkmens going back three generations. So even up in the north where a lot of Uzbeks on the, or along the eastern borders of the country, many ethnic Uzbeks, the imams are almost always ethnic Turkmen. Um, and as we've already touched on, conscientious objection to compulsory military service for all young men between the ages of 18 and 27 does not exist, despite the UN repeatedly calling for the government to introduce an alternative to compulsory military service. Well, you've mentioned such a range here from raids on various religious communities, confiscation of literature, finding individuals, but uh, you know, some of the worst of the imprisoning, the disappearing individuals for practicing their faith outside the confines of government control. Who, in your estimation, is impacted by this most in the country? You've talked about a range of com communities and individuals. Uh, and has this trend continued with the new president? Is there any particular group or groups that you feel is getting the worst of it? Well, I think all residents of Turkmenistan, if you have very little understanding of any faith and want to learn more, there's very few ways of finding out about any particular faith. You might be one faith, you can't find out about what other faiths believe. Uh, you want to attend a place of worship, you have to go to one that the state has allowed to exist, such as a mosque. And when you go to mosques, you're going to hear messages from the state-appointed imams, which back government views. So the, the, the imams are really mouthpieces for the regime. So if you follow a type of Islam that is not reflected in the mosque, you can't, you've got no alternative places you could go. If you're in a community that the government does not allow to exist, it will not give registration to, or it gives registration to a community in Ashgabat, the capital, but not to a, a community in the place where you actually live, You've got no community that you can actually be part of, except one that might meet underground in secret, which is then at risk of being raided. Yeah, no, it sounds it sounds bad. And you know that uh, we've been reporting uh, on the government's uh, mass imprisonment of religious prisoners of conscience for many years. And especially the readers, as you mentioned earlier, too, of Said Nursi and, and, and so-called followers of Wahhabism as they very generically label, you know, in their mind, those who they see as extremists. And, and, you know, while these prosecutions are offered under the guise of countering extremism, many of those targeted have not committed or advocated any such kinds of acts of violence. Can you share with our audience 
uh, what prison conditions are like uh, for people uh, like this who are deemed extremists and and are under what conditions if any does the government release any of these prisoners well the worst prison which is the one where bahram saparov is believed to be now if he's still alive he might not be um and where the nursi readers were and have now been moved out of is Ovadendepe. This is the, the famous prison right in the desert in the middle of, of Turkmenistan, which is believed to house the people who took part in a coup attempt against President Niyazov two decades ago. If any, if any of them are still alive, I would be very surprised. Um, there are several blocks in that prison um, of differing severity. And some of the prisoners, like these Nursi readers, have come out of there. Um, but Bahram Saparov and many of his um, friends and associates have not. Um, but all prisons have pretty poor conditions. Medical treatment is pretty haphazard. Food is often bad. Um, you need to pay bribes for almost anything if you want a visit from relatives if you want to get hold of a parcel that someone sent you um tb is rife covid uh, although the government has never admitted that covid has even existed in turkmenistan uh, several prisoners have died of of covid are known to have died of covid um so I mean, and also the restrictions on freedom of religion or belief. Um, there are, in some of the prisons, there are mosques, but obviously many of the prisoners are afraid to attend because if they do so, that might label them as a so-called Wahhabi, which means they could have their punishment increased. Um, it seems that most prisoners have to pay bribes to get amnestied in presidential amnesties where prisoners are freed often you know several hundred in one go um jehovah's witnesses say they did not have to pay bribes the, the 16 of them who were jailed for conscientious objection who were who were released under amnesty in 2021 um, but for almost anything, if you want better accommodation, if you want better food, if you want some medical treatment, if you want visits from relatives, if you want parcels, you have to pay. Yeah, and you know just as well as anyone uh, how notoriously difficult it is to get information about conditions in Turkmenistan, not least because individuals fear retaliation uh, from their own government. How do you measure progress in a place as isolationist and restrictive as a country like Turkmenistan? Well, that's very difficult. Um, I think the fear that people have of sharing information about what's happening in the country is very real. So if we're not hearing about things, does it mean they're not happening? So, for example, we haven't heard uh, since about July of raids on people meeting for worship. But does that mean that there have not been any or just that people are afraid to say anything about them for fear that they could suffer uh, consequences, negative consequences? Well, and that leads to my other question here that, uh, you know, obviously, you know, there was a passing of the power, so to speak, as I said up front, you know, father to son, in effect. Uh, have you seen any changes brought about uh, by the country's new leadership, the new president, or does it seem that Serdar will continue his father's repressive policies? Uh, are there at all, are, are you seeing, I know you just said you, you haven't really seen raids uh, since July, but are there any shifts that you've seen that could impact the broader human rights and specifically religious freedom 
a situation with this new leadership. Well, said Bedi Muhammadov has exercised fiend religion or belief for himself. He went on a, a, the Umrah pilgrimage to Mecca, so he obviously believes that he should have freedom of religion or belief, but I've seen no changes in law, in practice uh, since he took over. Um, the prognosis is not good, but who knows? I mean, he could suddenly change and start to open up the country, uh, but given that there's, there's no free media, there are no human rights groups that are allowed to operate within the country the government human rights so-called ombudsperson appears to do pretty much nothing in this area at least um so you know people clearly uh, would hope for change they want their situation to improve uh, across a whole range of rights not just freedom of religion or belief but the rights of freedom of assembly freedom of expression freedom of movement all this kind of thing um but people are obviously highly skeptical that anything is going to change at all. So just to be clear here, other than the release of the amnesty of the Jehovah's Witnesses, the 16 in the last year, uh, have you seen anything worth uh, identifying as significant progress on the situation for freedom of religion or belief, whether this year or last? No, I think all the restrictions are still in place. Obviously, with COVID lifting, the um, uh, the ban on uh, meeting for worship, which lasted from July 2020 to April 2021, it appears that was a bona fide measure to make it uh, more difficult for coronavirus to spread, even though the government did not admit it. Uh, the Hajj resumed this year with 275 people. The last time it, it, it took place, or last time there were pilgrims from Turkmenistan was in 2019, um, but hardly large numbers given that people believe the quota that the Saudis would be prepared to give to Turkmenistan would be about 5,000 and they're only able this they were only able this year to send 275 in their delegation and that 275 included secret police officers who were there to spy on the other uh, people in the in the group going to to Mecca um we perhaps have not had so many reports of raids it's unclear whether it's because raids have tailed off, um, but there was a large raid about Easter on a group of Protestants and about 30 people are believed to have been fined. Um, so we've had raids on Muslims this year um, and the Muslim prisoners of conscience have not been freed. Um, religious activity, which uh takes place without state registration is still punishable uh censorship of religious literature still goes on people coming back into the country with religious literature can easily have it taken off them uh some websites based abroad in Turkmen which cover religious topics are blocked um people still face quite intrusive police and secret police activity to find out if they're so-called Wahhabis or they take part in any unapproved religious activities just before the school holidays. 
some teachers uh, required pupils, uh, pupils' parents to sign that during the holidays they wouldn't go to gambling dens and this type of thing, but they would also not take part in uh, meetings of destructive religious groups. Um, the usual is still carrying on, unfortunately. Well, we'll have to leave it right here, but I'd like to thank uh, Felix Corley of Forum 18 for discussing uh, the current religious freedom situation in Turkmenistan, despite the difficulty of, uh, you know, getting that information on the ground. They are able to, to do that. And, and for all the good work uh, that he and Forum 18 continue to do in this part of the world, you can see Forum 18's reporting at forum18.org. That's F-O-R-U-M-18.org. And you can find USERF's reporting on Turkmenistan and our most recent policy recommendations on our website. As always, thanks for tuning in today, and we'll see you next time on USERF Spotlight. To learn more about USERF and about global religious freedom concerns, visit usurf.gov. That's U-S-C-I-R-F dot gov. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at U-S-C-I-R-F. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week for another USERF Spotlight.